0: Side have got a man over to the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Super job. You're a undisputed champion. All right, guys, welcome to the Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Kamia. I'm Robbie, and I am joined by my little compadre, Stephen Brown. Stephen, it is a Wednesday night. Uh, Danny, uh, Danny Coyier just committed to Oklahoma, a top 100 prospect. If you're like on the on three recruiting services and Definitely a top recruiting guy in any service, really. Um, but how are you doing, first of all?
1: Good. It's been a busy week, but it's been a good week for sure. And I guess the fair's in town, too. So uh, there's a lot more. Because I live. No, I'm not really a fair person, to be honest. Like, When's the last time you went? I like food. Six years ago, maybe. Something like
0: that. I'm going for the first time some... this weekend. Um, in like nine years, eight years. You have
1: to tell me how it is, because I'm just like,
0: there's just so many people, and then
1: like you only go there yeah. for food, and I just sure. don't eat around like a million people. But I guess it's fun for some people.
0: Is there any fair food that you would rank like top tier as like the thing you have to get or the? Top two things that you have to get while at the fair?
1: See, I don't know how many. Like, I know they have all the fried stuff, right? Sure, but I think like my go tos are always like a turkey leg and always like the corn on the cob. Really, like, it's pretty Ooh, it's pretty classic. Okay, yeah. Good.
0: All right, okay. Corn on I the. I like don't Indian
1: tacos up there too.
0: I never really tried Indian tacos. I never For was really a fan, but it's so, like okay, corn on the cob. Are you just a straight mustard guy, ketchup guy, or both?
1: Uh, Corn on the cob?
0: Yeah. Oh, corn on the the cob. I was thinking thinking corn dog. What the heck? Oh, my gosh. Corn on the cob. (laughs) Oh, I see. I mean, you can try like
1: ketchup. It's a fair. Total
0: slip. Why not? I guess. Yeah, you could. Corn dog, uh... uh,
1: ketchup mustard. You got to mix it up.
0: Okay. Okay. My go-tos were always just a classic funnel cake with uh, powdered sugar and then the homemade root beer. Can't go wrong with that one either. I'm Give her a... Really? Yeah. What's wrong with root it. beer? Is I just you don't like the to taste. It? Not, <laughs> not for so me. Like nothing against it. It's just... <laughs> is it like too sweet or bitter or or it's just like a distinct weird thing to you? It's just a weird thing. And like it's also a little sweet too. So okay that, that's that fair. fair but more than fair but anyway i just like <laughs> beer regular beer <laughs> i you know i like the beer and i root for the beer so you know we we're all we're beer uh kind con- of connoisseurs over here so let's talk a little bit more about the sooner stuff we got stuff about recruiting that we just mentioned we're going to just r- briefly touch on the Tulsa game. If anything, really look into Cincinnati and like what really Cincinnati's this game means for Oklahoma. And then just a few other things right after that. But so Danny Coyier commits to Oklahoma It's around 630, 40, somewhere around there. And Oklahoma Lane's this guy. Um, pretty much everybody in college football was after him as a two, six foot four, uh, 240, right? Uh, def- uh, edge rusher. And I think he was finally down to LSU and Texas and Oklahoma, but he was from Tulsa and he ends up going with the Sooners. Uh, I think Miguel Chavis was his lead uh, recruiter. So just going off right that, because this happened a couple hours ago, Stephen, what's this commitment also mean for Oklahoma's defensive line and just what away brings to the Sooners?
1: It means a few things. I think first and for, uh, foremost, is just Oklahoma getting that number one recruit in state back in Oklahoma. Uh, they didn't do it last year by job. Obviously, there's some technicalities to that. Uh, He's they,
0: open for business. You know, he went to Michigan State and uh, they're got, Yeah, it's not looking too insurance. good over there.
1: They got, yeah. they got a couple issues they got to deal with. so Not good. Uh, but if anything, it's just one of those narratives where Oklahoma can't recruit in state. Danny Okoye, maybe. I mean, potentially one of the biggest names in, of in-state recruiting since I think, like maybe Josh Jacobs, but even before that, because Josh Jacobs really wasn't a known name in the state per se. Like he just kind of came out of nowhere. went to Bama yeah. and just had an amazing career. And uh, if David Stowe was
0: in Oklahoma, he'd be a five-star too. So they'd be like the top two guys yeah. Oklahoma's had in my God, like this, this the caliber of talent too.
1: And Aquarius is a guy that I need to write up that's not out yet, but I, I liken him to a guy that's obviously like a five-star talent. Like if he was anywhere else, maybe even like, like in Owasso or something in-state, like if he was – especially if he was in Texas, he's mm-hmm. in the five-star conversation. He's just that good. He's that talented. He's six-four, 240-ish right now. He's going to get bigger. Uh, he's fast, explosive, and he's one of the most violent tacklers you'll see on tape since maybe Justin Flo in 2020. So – that is yeah. just a big-time, big-time commitment.
0: And what I thought was really interesting was him mentioning that like, he would not really think about committing to Oklahoma. And then this new staff comes in, and it kind of flips the switch and changes the narrative as far as who Oklahoma is, what kind of brand they're presenting, what kind of team that they're envisioning for, not just that player, but for the team going forward. And I thought that was also interesting because – that was the same um some i can't remember which player but it's a, i think it's a pretty prominent player their mom I like, quote retweeted it and was like yeah that's pretty much the same experience we had between the lincoln riley and Brenton venables regimes as far as recruiting status as it goes and i think it's just really interesting as far as the philosophy because people thought recruiting would drop off and i mean of course oklahoma has 24 commitments but it has really, really, really taken off uh, because of that. And so let's talk about the defensive line class uh, just in general. You have White Gilmore? People forget about him. You have Jaden Jackson, IMG Academy, Nigel Smith, second David Stone, IMG Academy. Uh, now Koye. This is like unprecedented defensive line recruiting for Oklahoma since what? The early 2000s when you're reeling re- 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 in like all those other guys and like Tommy Harris's and Dusty Dvorak's and all those other guys like Jerry McCoy's uh, and there were a couple of guys that didn't really pan out, but they were highly rated five stars. This is this kind of level that Oklahoma hasn't seen like in 20 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think about like, if there's any sort of class that kind of popped off in the uh, like between 2010 and 2020 and there's just nothing that comes to mind. Like you had like the Ron Tatum kind of class and everyone kind of thought, all right, well maybe they're trying to, to turn around and then uh, Jalen Redmond, but you never had like a class that
0: was just across the board. Just so good at defensive line talent. Yeah. It's insane. Like these are guys that many of them you could see, obviously next year they'll need it, but many of these guys you'll see getting a lot of playing time.
1: Yeah. Koi is a guy, if we're just going to talk about him, he's a guy that could obviously come in and play right away with just his frame. Like some fundamentals are need to be worked on but if you're just a pass rusher there's not a crazy amount like you just say go get the ball and i think danny aqua can do that as a true freshman
0: are there any other commits and or players that oklahoma should be looking out for in the near future as far as the recruitments with ou i mean like yeah. this class is definitely going to take a few more guys uh there's going to need to a lot of guys to replace what's on the defensive line just in general they're losing like what four people on scholarship uh, so there's replacing guys, but it's going to be a big class too. Like what, how would it, what do we think? Like 28 guys, 20, 20, I thought 28, 28 guys? when this thing started,
1: but it might be like 24, 25, and then they'll take some guys in okay. the portal. But, uh, if you're looking at like future recruiting, Grant Bricks is still up there. The, the top yep. 100 offensive lineman, there's no That's really right. timetable for him. Uh, Terry Bussey's decision is coming up in a little over a week from today. Uh today's Wednesday. So I think he announces on the 28th, if I could recall. Um probably gonna be AM, but it's one of those battles that like Williams and Winary and Dominic McKinley, like oh, you're just gonna stick around and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I was about like, to say, do you if think something OU's happens in College to call
1: Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna call Winary down to signing day. It, it won't be a problem. They'll They're say, hey. If there's any change of heart, any change of mind, we're right here with you, and you just let us know. So, It's one of the things, or you're going to hear their names pop up, and maybe there's not going to be really any movement, but Oklahoma's going to try, no matter what, because there's really not that much left in this class.
0: Sure. Yeah, and I, I agree with that, and Oklahoma is wrapping up a lot of their stuff pretty early, and people... You know, it was like, complain, 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 and then next thing you know, OU, after a summer, right on into September, has like a full class and it's still going to take more athletes in this class. And I mean, they're what, now top eight in certain uh, recruiting services, so would possibly be top 10, back-to-back top 10 classes. Maybe this might be 11 uh, or 12, depending upon other. I think this will will end up being a top uh, top 10 class, but back to back they just
1: had the potential if they can somehow flip maybe terry bussey or maybe williamsonary dominic mckinley one of those guys yeah it could push them into that top five territory and that's one of those things i tweeted out maybe a month or so ago that oklahoma just has not had those back-to-back top five classes since the modern recruiting era since about 2000 when the the rankings really started so i think bob stews was close and like 21, 22 or 22, 23. Yeah. Uh, but he was just outside. So if they can somehow pull up a, a top five class, it would be unprecedented for Brent uh Brent Venables.
0: I guess Oklahoma isn't so so poor. Also shout out to uh Dax Knowles, a walk on committed Oklahoma from Norman High School right down That's the street. Your, yeah. Kid play yeah, kid kid plays safety, uh um, and also like the wildcat in a lot. So He's a hard worker. He's a Brent guy. Definitely. For sure. Anyways, let's react to the Tulsa game really quickly. It was a blowout. 66-17. Dylan Gabriel was like, what, 28-31. of um, <laughs> Oklahoma looked dominant through the air. Tulsa didn't really give them much room to run. Uh, they picked off the ball a lot. But what are your th- kind of kind of general takeaways from it? If really anything, it felt like the Arkansas State game, just a little bit delayed because Farouk fumbled.
1: Yeah, it did feel like that. And that's what a lot of fans should take it away as. This is just a team that Oklahoma should have stomped. Like, there's no reason Oklahoma should have been in a game with Tulsa at all. Uh, but if there's a takeaway, you look at, like, Nick Anderson. Like, is this find the game that kind yeah. of introduced him, built him some confidence? going to get him some more time and is he going to become that that top tier receiver that a lot of people I think especially in the OU scene think he could be like they think he could be the next great CD lamb for all that matters so uh is that a a stepping stone for him and then you look at the defense I think the storyline here is not as much the pass rush but the cheetah position Mm -hmm. and what that's going to look like moving forward because obviously no Justin Harrington uh and then you have, like, a Reggie Pearson that, that looks banged up now, too. And then Deshaun McCullough, yep. obviously, did not play in this game either. So, uh, Cheetah would be the one takeaway. It's like, what what is that going to look like?
0: Means more Billy. Uh, not Billy. It means poor Peyton. Peyton. I it's hard. Like for, for some reason, it's hard for me to differentiate Bowen and Bowman. Uh, it's, like, really getting confusing for me. It means more Peyton Bowen. And, I mean... I know that means probably more, a more, little more busts because he's so young, but my God, the upside there and the amount of actual live action he's getting is I think it's a lot better for him and for this team in the long run. I see this dude playing a lot more snaps in the end of the season than he is right now, quite frankly. I mean, he's what already supposed to have had like five interceptions that he just couldn't get a hold of. Yeah, me and my as friends always use like, right? like
1: some uh, some bold predictions before the season, and and one of them did Peyton Bowen like things like six or seven interceptions on the season, and I was like, man, you God. just gotta be so frustrated because he's had at least four legitimate attempts, and maybe like an outside chance at like a fifth one. So he's just so close.
0: Who would you compare Peyton Bowen to? Because that dude is a dog. I was not expecting him to be as thick as he was. But I mean, he's quick, he's twitchy, he's a dog, he's usually in position. Like, who would you historically compare him to if not kind of just like his own, or maybe a different player like uh, the Honey Badger or something like that? You know,
1: yeah, you could see him kind of in that Honey Badger role. It's he's a little bit bigger, he's a little bit thicker than the Honey Badger yeah. was at LSU. But uh, man, there's not really an OU comp for Peyton Bowen. Like, I know there's some Earl Thomas talk coming out of high school. It's like mm-hmm. this might be. Earl Thomas 2.0, and I can see that. Uh, Another guy I thought, just not really like a player comp, but just the way he plays is like a Minka Fitzpatrick, and that's probably bad timing because he just destroyed Nick Chubb's knee. Uh, (laughs)
0: And uh, he he had to go to 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 the hospital because of a chest injury, I guess, that night. So I'm a a Steelers fan, and uh, I'm I'm on board with the Minka Fitzpatrick comparison.
1: But if you go back and look at his stuff at Alabama, he was just all over the field. Like in that back end, and Patrick was around every pass. So I could kind of see that comparison as well.
0: I guess Peyton Bowen, when he blocked that punt, was not even supposed to rush on that play and instinctually against his coach's wishes decided to go for it and he blocked the punt anyway. So sometimes you just got to call your own number. Very Roy Williams esque of him. And I mean, if he completely whiffs, I mean, he probably gets just chewed out a little bit and he blocks a point punt, and everybody loves him on the sidelines. So yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't think there's much to take away from this. Oklahoma should stomp Tulsa in the ground. Uh, Washington had like 120 something yards rushing on them, but also 400 something through the air. Oklahoma could have had a lot more. They called up the dogs a lot early, What I thought was interesting. You saw a lot of Caden green. I like that. And I think the Sooner coaches like what they saw in Caden Green as well. Uh, Walter Ralphs at left tackle, and then they took him off and put in Sexton, I believe. I don't know what that was about. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I think they just want to get Sexton going because he, like, the talent's there. He didn't really play amazingly, but there's just a lot of rust you got to kick off. So I think some of that was like, hey, it's Tulsa we may not get this opportunity, especially next or this week against Cincinnati. Let's see if we can get Jake Sexton some reps. Let's see if we can get him going and then sure. see what he looks like moving into the conference play. So I don't think it was anything against Walter Rouse. I just think that was a very opportune moment for Oklahoma to get Jake Sexton some, uh, some real, real snaps.
0: Yeah. Cause Rouse, I mean, he came back, he met the like later in the game anyways. Um, what are some other guys that got some burn? I mean, like, Pretty much everybody got got playing time in this game once again. Sogner, I think, had a
1: catch. What Stogner she, had a
0: couple of nice grabs. Yeah,
1: I don't know what they want to do with the tight end position. I know they want to show it off, but at some point, really, like, just just, just put flex them Rick out. Genderson. I don't put Nick Anderson up there as a tight end. Yeah, He's I don't. Like, understand, but four, I also
0: don't know. understand why you just can't flex Stogner out as a wide receiver and just like just dip out of all the tight, the tight end stuff because Levy didn't have tight ends at yeah. UCF. I just like figure it out. Do that same offense. Yeah. I don't see why that's so hard. He's using the old Miss version of what he ran instead of the UCF version, which he ran where they didn't have any which tight I, ends.
1: To be honest, I prefer that. But at the same time, you're like spread out the field more. Try to like acclimate to your personnel a little bit more. I know you want to get Stogner in there. Fun story, but sometimes it's
0: just painful to watch. Uh, what else? There are some other things. I mean, like it's hard to ignore Dylan Gabriel through three games. Arnold. Yeah, D- oh, Jackson Arnold. Okay, that's the next thing I want to talk about, too, besides Dylan Gabriel. That Jackson Arnold weird belldozer package. Why? They get down inside like the 10-yard line, and all of a sudden they bring Jackson Arnold in? Why? Dylan Gabriel has been smashing it all game. He's missed like two passes at this one point. Why are they putting in Jackson Arnold running that? What I thought was a great first option as far as a pass play. I was like, okay, taken by surprise because Tulsa's clearly thinking he's going to run. Cause that's all it's on tape. And then they try to run it again. And then you're left with Dylan Gabriel again on third down and they just run it and then they, whatever. And then they kick the goal. What are your thoughts on that? Like Jackson Arnold, they give him what? I It's just something, something that,
1: that, opposing defenses have to prepare for. And
0: I don't think they're ever going to rely on it in
1: like critical situations. At least I hope not, but it just feels like they're putting it out there to set something else up. And they're putting it out there because it's, it's an excuse to get Jackson Arnold a little bit of time while Dylan Gabriel still is playing really well.
0: And you mentioned this last week, you said that, I mean, it's very clear that, you know, like you said, they probably maybe set, be setting things up. And that it's just fine when Jackson Arnold's running the actual offense, he's just fine. Uh, but in these weird packages, you're kind of just throwing out there randomly, especially when they're kind of still figuring out the offensive line, which is kind of what we're like kind of finding out ish a little bit, especially where Savion Bird is. I'm not, we're not, I don't think their coaches are really sure about Savion Bird right now. Um, but it, it's clear he knows the offense when they're actually running it, but it's when they throw out that Jackson Arnold belldozer package. it's pretty odd. How do you think Caden Green might be sliding to that Savion Bird spot? Do you think that's possible?
1: I think it's possible. Uh, this would not be the best week to do it, obviously with Cincinnati's defensive front. But, I yeah. mean, if it's going backwards for Savion Bird, which we, we had high hopes for him, I especially had high hopes for him, I thought he was going to be the difference maker this season, kind of get that offensive line going. It just hasn't worked out. And you're moving to conference play. You're on the road. You're in a kind of a sticky situation in Cincinnati. Would I rather have Savion Bird out there or Caden Green? I think I'd rather have Caden Green just because I know he can finish a block.
0: Yep. Oh, it's interesting. Anyways, you just mentioned it. Oklahoma will be playing really their first away game for the season that that stadium in Tulsa was filled with pretty much 90% crimson. Uh, I got them at the least. I mean, it was pretty much all OU fans and (laughs) this week they have a true away game at Cincinnati um, at Nippert stadium. The last time they actually went and played, they played in the Bengals stadium instead. And so that's like, that was the only team meeting I believe between OU and Cincinnati. So uh, actually I was listening to the uh, new heights podcast with Travis and Jason Kelsey, and they were just mentioning that game and they're talking about how the Sooners are coming to town. And Jason Kelsey mentioned how Oklahoma puts a lot of draft picks into the NFL. So just on that out there. Um, Anyways, it's going to be the big noon kickoff for Fox, but that means 11 a.m. Central time <laughs> Oklahoma right now at the line is set at 14 and a half, which I think is fair. Um And the over and under is 57 and a half. We, we talked about it earlier. Dasan McCullough, uh, he's back for this week. Harrington looks to be out. And so does now maybe Reggie Pearson, according to a tweet from his. looks like Coach Pearson, his dad, might be down to this week. But you better believe he'll be back stronger than ever. Can't keep him down. So. Does not look like Reggie Pearson will probably be playing this game, so it means more Bowen like we talked about earlier. Sanko being back. Harrington still being out. We were texting earlier about Harrington this week and his injury. How serious do you think that is?
1: I think they're kind of evaluating because it seems like there's no official word, but it seems like it's a knee injury. I don't know if it's like the same knee he had trouble with coming into Oklahoma Mm -hmm. or if this is a different knee, but uh, it's it's one of those injuries where i think you kind of have it's not like oh this guy's out for the season like there's some options you can say hey do you want to shut it down do you want to do surgeries get it repaired now or do you want to just stick it out and we'll put it back together after the season so i think it's a comfort thing just kind of reading between the lines there but probably not back this week probably not back next week so we'll sure. see
0: if he's back around texas texas yeah that's what it usually boils down to i remember being shocked that you when you text me like hey Harrington's probably gonna be i was like wait hold on what because he came back the second half is versus smu and if it's injury that's kind of the serious i was like okay like maybe they thought he sprained something but it wasn't as bad as they thought and then after a further evaluation it was just like much worse on an MRI than maybe a CAT scan and what doctors basically feeling it on your muscles. Cause you don't have those fancy machines back in the team locker room. Um, so the Samacola being that main guy instead of Pearson, instead of Harrington, especially against a team like Cincinnati. And then you kind of have Peyton Bowen still playing. there, still getting a lot of snaps. What do you think that means against especially guys like Emery, uh as a quarterback for Cincinnati, uh, the Bearcats? Because they have some talented guys. Um what do you th- what do you think about those guys specifically against Cincinnati's attack? Because they're kind of a ground and pound team more so than they are lots of spread.
1: Yeah, they throw the ball a little bit, but when they do, they don't take deep shots per se they kind of do what Oklahoma did against SMU and they kind of go for that 5 yard dink and dunk 8 yard yeah dink and dunk kind of pass so i think this might be a really good game to just to get McCullough back because you're not asking him to just chase a guy down the field you're asking him to sure. use his size his length to cover that in- intermediate area um so this might be the perfect situation just to get him back and get him in the groove so um but if they go like Peyton Bowen uh Emory Jones isn't really known as a prolific passer. He never has been. <clears throat> I think, oh, you played him.
0: Do you think Key Lawrence game, plays a key figure here too?
1: He's been playing really well. I'm surprised. So I, w- I would say absolutely because he's, okay. we've known he's an up and down guy, but through these first three games, he seems like he is all in except for that one kind of, if he played against SMU where it kind of sure, stopped. Yeah, sorry. But,
0: sorry. I had an intrusive thought would we'll continue to train of thoughts.
1: But Emory Jones, they played. I think he played for Florida in that bowl game where OU absolutely tore them up too. Um, but he's just—he's never been a prolific passer. He can run a little bit. He's—he looks more put together, which he should be. It's like his sixth year of college uh, than he's ever been. But he doesn't really scare me much as a passer. Probably not as much as a runner too.
0: Yeah, the the post fickle Cincinnati years have me not very panicky. Uh, about that situation. Um, I like, I like, I like the point you bring up as far as the Samacola because Cincinnati is not the team that is going to take a lot of deep shots. They're very lot of rush yardage, lots of on the ground. Um, even if it is in wide sets, Samacola, that, this is a perfect game for him. I hadn't even thought about that. It's a good point to bring up. And so this provides Oklahoma with a new set of challenges It's not just a first away game. It's also, I feel like a game that might be close. Do you feel like this game is close a little bit because of the, it's big noon in Cincinnati. Fox is going to be there. That's, that's where they're, you know, they're they're coming from. The fans are going to be fired up. Oklahoma's in town. They're ranked. They're finally in the big 12. It's a really big deal. Um, what does this provide Oklahoma with the new set of challenges besides just the game? Do you think?
1: Yeah, this is going to be their first test of everybody's going to come for you this year. And I know Cincinnati is not part of the the former big 12, but as a, as a new member, as a, a team, that's getting the big new kickoff treatment, all that stuff, all the eyes are in Cincinnati. Like what better way to introduce yourself to the conference than being Oklahoma. So, I mean, they're just going to be prepared for that. This is the first taste of, you know, throw the expectations out the window because you are everybody's Super Bowl this year for multiple reasons, but especially because you're either going to make your name because of it or you're going to sour your season. So,
0: Brett, your uh, mark said so.
1: Yeah. And let's be honest. I think a lot of people are already going to talk about it. The officiating last year wasn't that great in conference play. So, uh, how do you overcome that? You can't, you can't make mistakes on the road here.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's something Oklahoma did last year, especially going to the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, I think Oklahoma doesn't make those obviously mistakes defensively, third downs uh, busts or just fumbling the ball away, intercepting the ball. They have a lot an easier season. They have at least eight wins. So, This season, you have to clean up those mistakes. And I think that's kind of like the new set of challenges Oklahoma is. is Like, can they prove, like, they did an SMU. I don't like the fact that SMU played out the way it did. I felt like Oklahoma, I think, obviously, Jeff Levy mentioned it. Like, they weren't aggressive enough on defense. I know SMU was trying to keep everything in front of them. But you, you just have to stretch out the defense sometimes. And that wasn't just, like, really his prerogative. And then, like, we didn't see that at all. And then you've seen it in other games, again, where... We're not really learning anything we're we're learning that Dylan Gabriel has a live arm. He has maybe improved a little bit more than I think some people will go give him credit for. He's actually under throwing receivers these days, which is weird to think about. Um, But I mean, he's got high accuracy rate, but yeah, sure. He's played Tulsa. He's had really intermediate short throws against SMU. And then same thing against Arkansas state, lots of wide open receivers that are a lot faster than their opponents. And so I think, All right, Oklahoma, it's very likely that they were were within seven points to ten points of victory, whether they're in front or they're in behind, somewhere around there, 7-10, 7-3, whatever, Uh, one possession game probably. And can they finish out a game? Can they close out a game? That was what we didn't see them do last year especially when they had double-digit leads at one point, but the third quarter came. So the fourth quarter, they made mistakes. Uh, they couldn't find any guy to pass it to. And that's the thing you're really looking for is, can they close out games? Kind of like that Stoops 2000 year. I mean, of course, I'm not comparing it to like, Oklahoma's winning a national title this year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but that was something that was a big thing in 99. Stoops year in 2000 was 99. They got out to Leeds, they squandered them. 2000, they put those opponents away. I want to see a Brent Venables year, year two, is going to be the same thing. And so looking at Cincinnati's roster, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, you alluded to it. Cincinnati's front, especially in the middle of their front seven on defense is pretty stout. What expected, uh, what expectations do you have or units that are going to be tested the most this coming Saturday?
1: Oh man, first and foremost, they'd line up right over the center. So I'm looking at Andrew Rame looking yep. at a guy that has struggled with maybe some more physical defensive lines in his time in Oklahoma, obviously coming off his first uh, full fall camp, pretty much healthy. Is this the time for him to kind of make a statement? It's like, Hey, I'm the dude. I'm like the top 100 guy that I was in high school. Like uh, if I see him starting to push around or, you know, just getting ran past, like I'm, I'm, kind of look at Troy Everett. Like this is a game where Oklahoma, Oklahoma hasn't been tested on the defense or the offensive line too often this season. This is a game where they're going to get a big taste before going into Texas. So if you don't look the part here, you got to make some changes. I think you got to make changes in the middle of the game.
0: And let, let it be known that Cincinnati is just coming off of a loss against their rivals and they haven't lost the rivals in like 20 something years. It's Miami of Ohio. And so like, they're not even that great of a team. So they have to not only come and beat Oklahoma at home and the fans are going to be expecting a big game for Oklahoma. They also want a win after a loss to a historic team. And so like you mentioned, uh, it's hard not to get around that middle of the offensive line. I mean, especially where that's where Cincinnati is most, most stout. That's why I think Oklahoma runs a lot of stretch plays, plays to the edges to kind of uh, mitigate that because Cincinnati also doesn't really have too much of an edge threat, threat, especially not, not as much as Oklahoma, in my belief. Um, Another unit I expect maybe to get tested the most is... Gosh, give me the Oklahoma because of the... Because of the situation that uh, Cincinnati has, give me a goal my receivers. I'm really curious to see if they can play against a Cincinnati defense that isn't necessarily stingy, but capitalizes on mistakes. And so I'm very curious to see what happens with that and how, if Dylan Gabriel does get pressure up in his face, how that does affect that with the receivers and coming back to the ball instead of giving up on the route and then just, superseding a, an interception for the other team so i'm curious about that as well is there anything else that you're thinking that might get tested because it's definitely the interior offensive line that's the number one thing that comes to my mind
1: yeah to to piggyback off you uh, i think last week after the game someone asked levy about kind of the play calling and, and why there was so much passing and not not a lot of running because you always hear we're run first offense yeah and his explanation was well we didn't need a run because it was open all day like we're going to take what's open to us we're just going to take the the easy situation get our yards get our scores and move on we're not going to put an emphasis on just going into grain too often if we don't have to so um i think that's an interesting point i think we don't see them try to run up the middle too often i think we'll see another pass happy day there um but for another unit maybe the linebackers mm-hmm. um because of Corey Kiner, he's a just a strong running back, runs hard, and he'll run right through you. Um, so you look at, like, Stutzman, like, is he going to clog up the middle? Kanick is he going to clog up the middle? And then you look at what's behind him. A lot of people want to see Kip Lewis, and rightfully so. He's been playing extremely yep. well. I think we'll see Kip Lewis more in the Cheetah, possibly, in this game, because I think it's just a better situation to get him on the field for Cincinnati. And then I, I look at, like, uh, Kobe McKenzie. Like, he's probably the strongest guy in that group. If you're having trouble with Corey Kiner running at the middle, not a lot of dudes can run over uh, McKenzie there. So I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe he kind of gets some more time in the situation there.
0: Yeah. And also, I think this is a good game where I know Cincinnati does like to run the ball. That Oklahoma, I mean, they haven't really played it sounds, it sounds bad to say, so I haven't really played a higher caliber. This is the highest caliber team they have played so far this season. <laughs> I think Cincinnati is better than SMU. And I'm very curious to see, because it's been very clear in all three games so far, Oklahoma's interior defensive linemen, um, they kind of get a push in our stop gaps. They don't get pushed around, at least. Um, the defensive edges... Haven't always got home, especially on passing downs. Sometimes they're getting a bit closer, as we can see, through the last few weeks. Um, But they not all the times have contained the edge. And then Danny Sussman had a silly penalty, or not silly penalty, a silly just like open field missed tackle just of the day, despite having a pick six and all those other wonderful things he's doing as a linebacker. So I think it's interesting to think about the linebackers in that way because This is a team that is really going to run at you and really give you a lot of RPOs, especially because Emory Jones and who he is as a quarterback. So kind of looking at this team, it's your first away game. Besides really continuing to evaluate how good this team is, because that's what we're realistically doing is we're continuing to evaluate how good is Oklahoma. Are they really the first, second, third, fourth best team in the conference? Um, or are they pretending like last year? Because last year they started off three and zero, and they struggled against Kent State and Oklahoma's kind of struggled against SMU, but they didn't really struggle on defense. On offense, they just couldn't get to get anything going. And so, besides continuing to evaluate how good this team is, is there anything you're curious about Oklahoma still through three games heading into Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati?
1: yeah I mean we've touched on the offensive line I guess we can say one more thing about it it's just a group that we just don't know what it's going to be yet as opposed to other groups in this this program uh just because of the personnel standpoint like if mm-hmm. saving on bird was still there there's like a solidified starter and everyone knew like that's the guy I don't think we'd be having this conversation yeah we'd say okay we'll see if they can take another step forward but I don't know what this group's gonna look like so that, I guess that's the evaluation. The other thing would be just the coaching, like Brent Venables. Yep. We know we have questions about his in-game coaching, uh, you know, his kind of awareness during the game. So I want kind of want to see if it's a close game, what does that look like for him? Because we've seen him burn timeouts. We've seen him burn clock for no reason. Uh, I just kind of want to see him have a better grasp of this game.
0: It- It kind of shocks me to go from the stoops era to where like they use their timeouts on defense all the time uh, to Lincoln Riley era to where the timeouts were kind of like, I don't know, actually pretty well timed. Like they actually use their timeouts seemingly efficiently, like after a bad play timeout, you know, something like that, something normal, even back -back and then and yeah, that too. And then the Venable's era, where they just don't use their timeouts until like the very end of the quarter, like of the second of the second quarter of each half. Like I, th- I think that's the weirdest and most odd thing. Um, and so, but that was mine. You just said that I want to know Venable's coaches as the head coach, as the guy that's you know going to go for it on fourth and two in Cincinnati, maybe at the forty yard line. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to be a little more conservative because it is Cincinnati and you think it, your offense can take a hold of it and you think your defense has a get great handle on the game? I'm really curious about how he makes those decisions, like you mentioned. And so, during the game specifically, what are you are you looking for? I mean, we got the interior of the offensive line. Is there anything else like because Javante Barnes to me against Tulsa last week he looked a little bit stiff. I don't, know, I don't know if that was just a me thing. He did look a little bit stiff, and it looked like yeah. there was a lot more of a intention to get the ball to Julio Farouk last week. Of course, they could expand their wide receiver core because they were playing Tulsa, but do you think that the idea of Julio Farouk getting the ball to him a lot more in more ways was more intentional, and that we should expect to see a few more of those wrinkles like that going to this game? Like, Are there things that you're looking for as well?
1: Yeah, I think they'd like to establish just a primary wide receiver. I don't think they'll just shut off like having that grouping of like, what five to six guys out there. But yeah, I think they'd like to see just a guy that they know they can go to. And if if it's Farouk, you know, so be it. If it's Andrew Anthony, so be it. But I think they'll want to find a guy that has the hot hand, and they'll just keep going back to it as long as they need to.
0: I texted you the other day, like the the receptions and yards chart of Oklahoma receiving core. And it was just absurd. Like you have several guys with double digit catches, but only, and also double digit yards. And then you also have a few guys with single digit catches, but triple digits in reception yardage. And like they don't really have that number one guy. Andrew Anthony has fourteen catches, but they're mostly on slants because Dylan Gabriel is left handed. And it's like if he beats this man off the line, he gets the ball. And so it's it's that that easy. And so it just I don't know what else are you looking for.
1: Tempo is going to be another thing. Uh, we haven't really seen, OU know, go fast or go slow. They kind of just been at the same pace all season. And it's just non-conference, so no need to kind of put that out there. But I think this is the first week we'll see where, you know, if these guys are eating us up on the de- defensive line, let's go tempo, let's show where I'm down. And then when we need to, let's slow the game down, let's huddle up, let's get the play in, and we'll just run it that way. But – I, I kind of wondered if they come out fast and kind of go with, like, what did Lincoln do? Uh, like, eight scripted plays and just run yeah. it that way? Or do they come out and just see what they can get? Because I think they're going to try to uh, stretch the field and try to go to the outside as much as possible. But at the same time, like, can we tire these guys out where we kind of get the push we want to just take over this game?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm just looking forward to seeing how Oklahoma actually responds on the road like they have not done this and they're playing with still a lot of new guys um on the offense uh, on the offense and on the defense too they're playing with a lot of new guys in an environment that's likely to be rowdy i'm very curious about how they will perform on the road like will they be calm cool collected or will they have like maybe like one dropped pass and that leads to a second dropped pass um I'm really curious about it. I don't know. This is We're where that evaluate- uh,
1: non-rotating capt- captains discussion
0: comes in. Exactly. like They're Permanent I, captains. Permanent I, need captains. To, I, I need to know who to look to for like, oh God, like something bad is possibly happening and or the, 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 the ship is sinking. I need to know who I need to go to to fix that like right now or who I need to lean on to make sure there's like an actual captain in the room sex like I'm sure the team gravitates towards guys and that, that naturally does happen that's why I don't like the stupid game captain ideas but hey whatever it's Brent he gets other guys recognition I think that's cool so they all kind of respect and trust their teammates I suppose like maybe that's the whole idea behind it he, he also probably understands that the people gravitate towards each other but it's just it's just a thing and so I don't really have any personnel concerns I mean like I think they're There are bound to be busts in Brent's defense. It happens, especially if you're in the second year or you're a freshman playing the defense. Uh, That will happen, and Cincinnati's is good enough to make you pay. I mean, that's why it's only a two-touchdown line, essentially. Um, I think the defense will still be stout. I think the offense has the opportunity to be explosive, but will they be explosive? And then will they have a run game because the offensive line still has not shown Consistency at all, any facet whatsoever. And so, how do you actually expect this game to play out?
1: I definitely think OU is going to kind of trip over themselves and have some adversity for the first time this season. Mm-hmm. uh But offensively, it just comes down to how do we just get the ball to our playmakers? Because more than not, the middle of that field's not going to be open for for rushing at least so how do you get Farouk in? how do you get angel anthony in? how do you get nick anderson in uh so i think it comes down to just quick passes maybe something over the middle something to the outside uh just getting that passing game going where you kind of have that cincinnati defense on the back of their heels and then finally you can pop that big run and you could also see this as the first opportunity where we see dylan gabriel run we really haven't seen him run all season but we know he can run it he did it he last flashes. season
0: he's shown flashes of growth and that could open
1: up this offense even more so maybe they've just been holding that back for the situation maybe we see Dylan
0: Gabriel you know 10 rushes for like 80 yards or something like yeah. that and that was one of my keys of the season right was that Dylan Gabriel's legs are going to really show how far this offense can go. If he actually uses his legs and gets about six, seven carries a game, like they actually do when they have a read option, then I think that opens this offense up even a little bit, a lot, not even a little bit more, a lot more, especially if those safeties have to creep up because well, if one of the wide receivers beats you off the line, it's dead to the races. And that's how UCF used to get you with all their, mobile quarterbacks and all that stuff before Dylan Gabriel had the collarbone injury and the other injuries. And, um, I think I also, I was saying the same thing. I think this is the first time Oklahoma experiences adversity. I think it's possible the first time Oklahoma gets down by a score, uh, maybe early or in the middle of the game. Um, Oklahoma, I think obviously has enough, uh, more talent than, than Cincinnati especially after the Luke fickle exit. I think Oklahoma has a lot more talent and a lot more depth specifically on defense, especially in the safeties and the the, saf- the defensive backs and the defensive line, not necessarily the linebackers is kind of a concern for me going on to the Saturday because they do love to rush the ball and pound the ball at you. And Oklahoma kind of needs those guys, but also the cheat is really good for that. Um, but again, I'm looking at the offensive line once again. Can Andrew Rame, Savion Bird, uh, can K. Tower, Tower, can those guys get the job done in on the inside? If they cannot, I'm curious how soon, how early a Troy Ever comes in, a Caden Green comes in, just not just to rotate, but just to see if they're a better option than what's currently out there because there's obviously been lapses through the first three games albeit not like there's a lot going on in each game maybe it's one player here maybe it's another player there but i'm curious to see if that was an issue because it was an issue against smu and S- and cincinnati has better players and especially in the middle of that defense i'm curious to see what happens if they groan or if it's a strength thing just in general i don't know So what is your score prediction what do you happen what do you happen to have going down in Cincinnati this Saturday after like three and a half four hours of game time
1: I like Oklahoma here I know we kind of are doom and gloom about this defensive line offensive line matchup but offensively Cincinnati doesn't really scare me that much I think it comes down to Oklahoma's offense which is been mostly functional all season so i think they'll they'll pull this one out I, i'm kind of curious to see how they do it do they go back to the passing game and just lean on that till maybe like an rpo or something we can work that in like a third down but i think they'll they'll get the ball to the outside i think they'll get it deep um but rushing game i don't think it's going to be there i think it's going to be another
0: mm-hmm.
1: saturday where you have a lot of people on message boards be like what is this running running back room doing sure like they're not really doing anything but it's just a situational football fire bill beaten bow but i like oklahoma to win it i think they will i think they'll be outstanding on the defensive side of the ball offensively i think they'll prove a little bit more than we expect Mm -hmm. but uh score wise i don't see this being as like a shootout i think i'll go we're like
0: 28 14 hmm interesting oklahoma on the road See and I was going to bring up the early odds were Oklahoma 10 and a half I think and so my score prediction was I think it's I think it's going to be a closer game I think Oklahoma's going to face adversity I think it'll test Oklahoma um I think it'll be good for Oklahoma to see kind of a measuring stick where they truly are as a division 1 football team playing another team that is I wouldn't say too much better than SMU Cincinnati. They are like, I think SMU is more offensively potent than Cincinnati, but SMU's defense was not as good as Cincinnati's. And so I think that's the kind of the trade-off you get. And so I think Oklahoma, I still like them here, 34-24. I think they both score a little bit more as both teams do. Um, I think Oklahoma is able to still force turnovers, as we saw. Like, heck, last week, I talked about Oklahoma maybe forcing two turnovers from the defensive backs. And they get five different guys t- turning the ball over. And Stutzman's one of them, and he runs it back to the house. I mean, of course, it's Tulsa. They had to switch the quarterback after that. And he, even he had some issues. But it it was just interesting to look at. And so I expect Oklahoma to still be in a close game with Cincinnati maybe pull away and kick a field goal late to seal it. Who knows? Like maybe like that, that's what we can go off of and say, okay, Oklahoma is maybe starting to actually put it together as a team, play complimentary football and get drives done when they need to. That's the possibility. And so I'm going Oklahoma 34, 24, but I'm still a little bit like shaky on like what could happen? it's the road. They've got a lot of young guys, uh but you also have dylan gabriel as your quarterback he's a, basically a senior i don't expect him to play another year called football and then in your defense you have a lot of guys that have played a lot of snaps with the exception of peyton bowen so i'm not too worried about their leadership there and so i'm excited for that um so moving on from that let's talk about a couple teams that are kind of screwed just in general um <laughs> Let's start off with this one first because Oklahoma plays them next week. Iowa state Matt Campbell has to be truly, truly regretting his life decisions on not pulling the trigger on getting and signing off on those big offers for earlier in his career. Yes.
1: Absolutely. I think you can see the frustration there because I've really watched Iowa state this season. I just kind of look at the scores after the games for Iowa state. So I, Oh, dude, they're gone. I had, like, they're a gone. a great awful. grasp of what's going on there, but I did see the Matt Campbell. I saw the uh, Iowa State fan tell me he's on the hot seat, and then Matt Campbell running back to try to fight him in front of his players. So you can see that Matt Campbell uh, is going through
0: something, and it, it doesn't look good. Yeah, it's 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 not good. It, it's It's bad, and so it's not something – I mean, that's something we expected. We expected Iowa State to fall off, and we also expected this other team, OSU, that we're talking about, that OSU was favored by seven against South Alabama. And they got demolished by South Alabama. No, South Alabama's a good team, or a decent team, at least. But they still just, like, they shut OSU down. They used, like, three quarterbacks. That uh, They had Gundy's son in there. Uh, They looked horrible, and they got just... To piss in Stillwater. and still water. And you got I least got to hear the chance USA because it's South Alabama's initials. But I mean, what what's going on with Mike Gundy? Is he trying to get fired? Does he just don't don't care? Like what, what's going on there? OSU besides the bottom balling out of the program.
1: Before I get to that, I want to see uh, Matt Campbell go like a full buddy Stevens and just fight a ref this season and just call it good after that.
0: Like, like how bad would he have to that
1: beat we him go ref. ref to like, he satisfy looks close. you? He looks just so beaten down. But <laughs> I just want him to get, throw the clipboard, throw the headset, and then maybe get like one or two punches on the guy before it gets it gets broken up. So, uh, but as, as far as Oklahoma State, they're they're pretty bad. Like this might be Mike Gundy's last year as a football coach at Oklahoma they, State, at
0: least. Gotta let, maybe go. gotta let him go. Gotta let him go. I mean, because do you, you just look do like you see them they winning? don't restock? Yeah. Like, they've won one see them game right now? Game? Probably not. They've, they've won one game, right? They're 1-2, and two, right?
1: For me, they're 0-3 because they're just that bad. <laughs> like, their quarterback play sucks. Their offensive line play sucks. All their receivers left. Their defensive line guys left, mostly. But Wonder it's Tulsa. And, like, your one playmaker of the state is your safety. So... And even he was rumored to leave and go to Oklahoma. That was Kendall Daniels. Yo,
0: so genetic, I did hear some genetic. things.
1: I heard a little rumor uh, that if things go sideways this week or whatever, I don't know if they're not bye week but if they play this week and lose, uh, the portal could be wide open for Oklahoma State, and it wouldn't be a good thing.
0: Man, It's a uh, – that's a – you know – Which is, it's kind of a shitty way for
1: Gundy to go out because he's just been so, he has like so many memorable moments, not really wins, but just moments. Yeah. And just to see him just get demolished by this new era of of football where it's NIL, it's transfer portal, it's, it's recruiting and he just doesn't do any of that kind of sucks. But it's also really funny too.
0: Yeah. But that's the thing is like, he brings it upon himself to be that grumpy old man in the corner. You know what I mean? Like he makes it that a shtick almost. And it's like, well, I mean, like we're publicly, like we are publicly seeing you like these de- destruct your football team for the next foreseeable future, because you don't believe in recruiting and the new ways of recruiting these days. And so it's the, it's the weirdest and most odd thing, but I'm satisfied because I don't like Mike Gundy or OSU. Um, so kind of moving on to a couple other guys. um, are you buying the prime hype with Colorado, or are you still waiting out to see? Because they have had close games. I don't think TCU is the team people think TCU is because they completely changed over the roster, including Max Duggan. Uh, they they should have lost to Jay Norvell in Colorado State if Colorado State actually goes for like on a fourth and two. However, they did. They had they have the ability to put up points. Are you buying the prime hype, or are you saying? This is, like, maybe an average to above-average team in the Pac-12. Yeah, they'll make a bowl game, but they're not anything special. That's how I think. I'm
1: not buying the ranked team. I'm not buying the Heisman moments. Uh, I, I'm buying the show. Like, I really like watching Colorado. I like watching the the drama and everything. But to me, like, they haven't really played anybody yet. Like, TCU will know more about TCU I think this week. I think we play SMU. So we'll see if they lose to SMU. You know, that game was a wash. Uh, but Nebraska, we know Nebraska sucks and they're also cursed. Uh, yeah. Colorado State sucks. I think they won yeah. like one game last year. So I don't know. Like they just, if they go to Oregon and be Oregon, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a believer because I know Oregon's a pretty good program. They got good coaching, they've recruited well. Um, so this is like their first real test, kind of like Oklahoma, other than. Oregon's a lot better than Cincinnati, but I like the I like the show. The one thing I'm worried about is like ESPN posts about Colorado about eight times a day. Yep. On like Instagram. So I wonder if that is gonna start fatiguing people. I know like there's always there's always a crowd out there that wants to see them fail. And yep. I wonder if ESPN is maybe inadvertently hyping that up because there's just so much Colorado today. type
0: it's always on espn
1: i like hearing dion talk he he always says like smart things like for a football coach yeah but i wonder if it's just getting a little bit too carried away and then egg just comes crashing down against oregon
0: or it's like
1: it's gonna be it's gonna be real real again
0: yeah like it's it's everywhere like all i see over sports center twitter um even Instagram and everything else even ESPN every other really minute is like Colorado football which is like it's cool I like seeing that but I don't I don't buy that they're going to flip that entire roster over and be a contender immediately I think they've won some games and I think TCU TCU is really the outlier there as far as brand exp- exposure goes because of last year But I don't think last year's TCU is this year's TCU in any capacity. And so I'm very curious to see them actually play some other teams like UCLA, uh, like you said, SMU, uh, USC, Oregon, et cetera. I'm I'm very curious to see them play those teams instead and see what actually happens in conference. And so staying in the Pac-12, we talked about this earlier. We talked about this last week. The guy couldn't keep Oklahoma out of his out of his mouth. So, here's my here's in, and I. You mentioned to me before the podcast because I couldn't remember why Lincoln Riley was in the news once again. He banned a you you said a what a, a sports journalist from USC. He was a student journalist. I could be wrong.
1: It was a it was a newer journalist. I know yeah, that for okay. sure. So not banned a season him from
0: high. the 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 pressers and post conferences and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, maybe this guy just, like, really not having it. But then I thought, no, maybe he has grown a little bit stale because when he was at Oklahoma, everybody was talking about literally everything he was doing. But because it's the West Coast and it's SC and people don't stay up to watch them at night because they're still not dominant, that he just needs people talking about him. Because when he was at Oklahoma... He had everybody talking about him. They were constantly the up there because they had all the talent that they needed. It's in my feeling is that he needs attention because he's not getting that national attention as he was when he was at OU. Is that a, is that like a homer take, or is that does that feel like somewhat an answer there as well? I mean, like he has caught a lot more scrutiny at USC. Like we knew he would take more scrutiny like- in LA.
1: You have caleb williams you have like the returning heisman winner you have zachariah branch he looks like maybe the best true freshman in the country right now and like no one's talking they're talking about dion they're talking about a colorado team that just be colorado state yep and that and a game that started like 9 30 and like half the country stayed up to watch until 1 30 in the morning so yep i think there's something to like hey what you guys remember us but at the same time, like I have no idea why Lincoln would ban this student journalist or new journalist because I think, from what I understand, it was a puff piece about a player that that's on USC's roster and that overcomes some shyness and now he's like this, this outgoing, like in the spotlight kind of player, Woo. and then he just gets banned. So I don't, I don't understand it. I know, like if he wrote something about a cart girl. In Oklahoma, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'd ban him to do." We're saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> but this just seems like a nonsensical piece. I'm just like Lincoln. What are you doing? But again, this is also a thing where, like with Oklahoma the media types of. They've always said this, like, "Hey, Lincoln's like just just not like the media
0: because yeah, they're just not always fun. on his side." So he went to Los Angeles, you know, where they don't ask you softball questions. Just throwing it out there, but. Is there? I I am tapped for this week. Is there anything left on your mind that you'd like to discuss?
1: Uh, join Discord fruition? as always. Nothing. Oh I usually God. drop like a like a Steve Jobs like one more thing, but I don't have one this week.
0: It's okay. You Other to. than
1: join Discord.
0: Yeah, and that's join always a good thing.
1: game threads are up. Recruiting talk. NBA talk. Fantasy football talk. You can hear me talk about how bad my team is. You can hear other people talk about how good their team is. We're going to talk about Danny Koye, obviously, and then future recruits, um, football, anything, anything's going on in there. So it's free to join. Uh, the link is always below the, uh, the podcast. So
0: join yep, in there. Always in the bio. So that's how it, that, that's all I would say. Steven extra. extra outroed us so go ahead and follow us on twitter or x as it's called now at me for me uh k and yeah it's always twitter i literally took a picture of it tonight while i actually went on my browser and it still said twitter and then it said x right underneath it and then well you just heard steven's steven talk and follow him at oh you at oh you updated sb uh thank you guys for listening again really excited for this weekend really curious for this weekend to see what actually happens up in Nippert Stadium in in Cincinnati, Ohio, almost like Cleveland. Um, Hoping for a good game, but also to find out a little bit more about this team to what to expect for Iowa State and Texas. So, check guys later.